Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action, a podcast where people share their stories about meaningful, planet-friendly work in their local communities. They share their paths of green action and the ways they have applied their own talents, interests, and all types of green projects, jobs, businesses, volunteering, and careers. Today in our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who is an urban farm project garden programmer working through a county library. I'm speaking with Zach McCannon with the Faulkner County Library in Conway, Arkansas. The Urban Farm Project began in the spring of 2010 as a gardening competition between three local colleges. As students and professors turned lawns into thriving gardens, it transformed into a collaborative effort that has encouraged sustainability and a greater sense of community with shared local food production. So welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I'm so excited to speak with you and um, find out more about your work with the Urban Farm Project. So what planted the seed for you to want to take some kind of green action initially in your life? Uh, That's an interesting question. The seed that made me want to take action. Uh, There's actually two words in there that kind of, I would say the, the biggest turning point, my background is documentary filmmaking. When I graduated from college with filmmaking degree. Uh, The last semester, I I was focusing on documentary. Um, I ran into a anthropology professor on campus who was starting to go and collect seeds in the Ozarks. And so he's a charismatic 30-something guy, um, just total leader. And it's like, okay, we've got seeds and like the stories behind all these seeds. And then this charismatic anthropologist you know that's going into the Ozarks collecting seeds and so I followed him around for four years and documented him collecting these seeds and pretty much what he his professor had taught him in Georgia was about these seed swaps and so that was 2007 by 2008 his goal was to start a seed swap in Arkansas and um So the documentary became, and it is called Seed Swap in the Ozarks. You can YouTube it um, and just type in Seed Swap in the Ozarks, feature-length documentary. Uh, And so I followed him around. And at first we would go to just individual homes and they would have seeds, you know, that they've been storing and it's their uncle's field pea or corn. And um, so they were becoming little individual videos and then when the seed swaps came around, it's like, oh, okay, well, now this is a movement and this is action, which in the documentary world, that's what I'm interested in. Documentaries that are showing things happening, showing solutions, um, cinema verite, where you're really, ver- you're in it, in the moment. It's, it's about as, it, you're trying to be as real as possible in filmmaking. So this was a movement to me that we could capture. It was pretty low key, you know, even as, at least for me, as sexy as this sounds, and, you know, telling my other documentary friends, they're like, you're really going to waste your time on on that. Uh, but um, I think when you start digging into the agricultural aspect of it, which to me was always weird, is like, okay, this anthropo- uh, agricultural anthropologist, you know, it's like, wow, this you're spending so much of your mental energy on agriculture. Why? And then you start to realize how interconnected it is with everything. Um, And then especially when saving seeds, just on how it's connected with agriculture and the style of agriculture that 
um, America has undertaken, you don't save seeds and you're losing all these genetics. And I mean, there's a lot to dig into on these seeds. And so that's probably, that's also why I'm passionate about the seed library. So having seen this, that's what got me really like into understanding agriculture as like a significant determinant of culture. And even when I moved on to other documentaries, music, um, the history of music in Arkansas, you know, we dove back into 200 BC, you know, early Native American hand pipes. But then when you start to get into the Mississippian period, you start to have agriculture as squash and, and being used as instru musical instruments and corn bo uh, bowls, you know, and corn offerings and all of how agriculture, how we've lost a lot of that in our daily lives. You know, it's, it's a, you go and eat, you don't go and it's not the culture or the practice of it. So all that kind of came together during that time. So what, who came up with like the idea to do the competition in the, in the first place with local colleges? Yeah, it was created um, by professors and community members and kind of a community group that was into sustainability just in central Arkansas. And we're in a, a town of 60,000 Conway, Arkansas with three universities. So we have a very a highly intelligent and just a lot of students and you know a lot of activity going on in this yes. town so it's going to be a competition between the three universities to start with urban farm project the library graciously said yeah you all can do that in our backyard and so it wasn't really a library program at that point and then so we had some students professors that were kind of directors um, of this and have just grown it since then it, it, it did transition um, over a couple years out of the competition between the three college gardens. Um, and pretty much within a year, it was kind of realized, okay, we just need one big garden that everybody's working on here. And, um, and then from the get-go, all the food would be donated to food pantries. Nice. So what type of gardening, uh, natural gardening systems are you using? I'm assuming um, at minimum it would be organic gardening. It is. It's. Uh, it's absolutely organic gardening. Um, it is organic. We're we're diving into permaculture and natural farming. So definitely steering more towards organic, but then you know permaculture. And I'll show you here uh, just a quick sweep of the garden. You can see we have a big rainwater harvesting tank, and which comes off the library, and then forty community plots. If you can see the squares. And um, behind all of those squared plots, they're four by four, which are perfect for square foot gardening style of gardening. And there's a book called Square Foot Gardening, which is essential for some people. And so behind those 40 plots are our food donation farm. It's more of the urban farm project aspect of it. And people, if they get a four by four community plot, they agree to volunteering two to four hours per month. So we have 40 plots that are full and each one of those individuals or families that have one of those plots have agreed to volunteer two to four hours a month in the food donation farm, which has, it's, uh, when we first started this, we've only had these community gardens for two years. This will be, this is our third year of having those. We had 20 of them and then we added 20 last year. So now we've got 40 and 
it's a really good way to get the community involved because they they get to keep that food in those four by four plots. They don't have to pay for it. And in some communities, land may be very scarce. So, you know, some people do have to pay for their community plots. And I know in Europe, especially, those are usually paid for. And, but here, instead of in lieu of payment, excellent volunteer time. That's a great idea. And so that kind of builds in all this volunteer time for the food donation farm. But obviously, anybody can volunteer. We have work days for those. So uh, that's always that's now that I've seen this in action and have and an organizer, this would be something that I would tell community gardens, these four foot by four foot beds. That's nice because it's low space, but you're adding more people. And really, with when it comes down to community gardens, you got to have people, a lot of people to right. take care of it. So do you literally have pathways around each square block? Yes. Or is it like a long row and you've divided it off? No, you actually have. Yeah, there's, there are pathways. It, I mean, it almost looks like a checkerboard. And let's say the the red or the path or the path. Well, there's more of a pathway between, you know, we put about two or three foot. Okay. We want there to be room to grow out. You know, it's going to fall out of the four by four a little bit. But it generally, and it's also neat because there's 40 different styles of farmers now in this very compact area. Whereas if you were going to have just one person farming all of that, you know, you're gonna kind of develop a style. So it's like, everybody wants to plant something different and we require organic in those as well. And no spraying pesticides, herbicides, Roundup, none of that. But the big thing for us is we get drop-offs of mulch. Um, and so everything is mulched around it now. That's something that we battled for years uh, is that you're always battling grass. And um, so take the time up front, dig the grass out. You got to dig the grass out, dig it out, put some cardboard down, two layers of cardboard, put six inches of mulch on it. And then we did that last year. And then this year we didn't even have to put cardboard down anymore. We're just going to put mulch right on top of it, kind of hand weed what we do. But then you're not spending all your volunteer time. People, digging weeds right. you're growing the community garden yeah. at that not point. quite as much fun as the actual growing <laughs> yeah you're harvesting and yeah so so can you maybe tell us a little um, a story about some of the in or ways that it's impacting the community yeah uh so some of the ways that urban farm project is impacting the community we have a seed library and it's called the Faulkner County Seed Library, established in 2013. And this is one program under Urban Farm Project. Okay. And really, Urban Farm Project should be Urban Farm Projects and maybe Suburban Farm Projects. Because in a way, that's that might be where the real urban farm revolution happens, is in the suburbs, because there's big yards, you know, I mean... There's something to explore there for sure. But um, so we have a lot of projects. Some are more important maybe or whatever, but our Faulkner County Seed Library is the most important strength that we have here beyond now I'm thinking these community plots, these four by four plots. But the Faulkner County Seed Library, I've got seeds all over my desk. Um, so this, we'll, we had donations from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds nice. to our Faulkner County Seed Library. Nice. And 
we repackage them into our Faulkner County Seed Library nice. uh, little packages Excellent. and with our logo and everything um, and just like 10 seeds because that's really all you need. Most people, all they really need, gardeners, right. they put an excess amount of seeds in these. But uh, I can tell you real quick about the Faulkner County Seed Library and how that affects the community. Sure. So yeah, um, established in 2013, the Faulkner County Seed Library, this year we did 180 online seed orders. Wow. 180 orders in Faulkner County. They came and picked up their seeds from the library, just like picking up a book. And that's the concept of a seed library is you're just checking them out. The checkout means you're going to bring back, you're going to grow them out and bring the seeds back nice. in the fall or whenever. Um, and so that's something that traditionally in seed libraries is a low percentage compared to how many is checked out. Yeah. But that's something that we're getting to the point now to where we can tackle that situation of people not bringing the way that we're collecting data and communicating and our process of packaging as well. But um, so this year we had that 180, 30 of them did not pick up. So really we had 150 online cur uh, pickup orders. We filled, that's 10 seed packets each, 10 seeds each. So each order is about 100 seeds. So that's 18,000 18, seeds, 100 times, let me make sure I'm getting eight, 150. So 15,000 um, seeds that we know, now we know we gave out. And then the online form that we use, it's a Google form and it tracks or, you know, we get the email, all of that is, we get their address. So now we have the address in everywhere in the county where all these seeds went. Nice. And I, we had the great fortune of having a extremely intelligent science data analytics student. She's a senior, Catherine, show up this summer and she's our AmeriCorps intern. And she has already mapped out all the on her software that she uses for her data anal, uh, data visualization has mapped out where all those seeds went in the county, in the state, really, because some of these people were out of the county. Wow. So we have a visual data uh, of where they're all at. Then she can um, isolate whether they just picked corn or beans or what it is they picked. And she's got like a little icon that has a corn cob, you know, growing. So it's like, you see all this corn growing across the state of Arkansas. Uh, so with that said, I mean, that's a visual data analytics of how we affected the community. And that's a hundred seeds that they have taken now to their little yard. And then um, ideally on a environmental level, now we're getting genetics of these seeds growing in all these different areas in these microclimates and preserving those genetics if they do bring them back to us then now then we can get that regrow those seeds out and we start to create a seed that's more adaptable to our environment here in central arkansas and we're on we're on 7a 7b is right where in conway we're yeah. at more naturalized which 7a 7b kind of splits at the arkansas river okay. okay so do you also teach people how to save seeds and how to select maybe the strongest plants and you know we do uh we do um we always need to execute more opportunities on 
having classes and that this year that's what we are doing and so we've started organic urban farming 101 uh, workshop series every other thursday and so we're tackling these like real world or real garden situations that you're going to be in in the season and just kind of doing you know bringing in an expert at those moments so we'll start harvesting our lettuce and radish seeds and have a an ouf on that um, and then and again in the fall with tomatoes as well. So we're definitely doing a tomato one. What are maybe some different types of events that you have? I know you have the volunteer events for the uh, the part of the garden that is um, donated to the food pantry. Do you have like some specific fun kind of sounding events that bring in the community as well? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, we have a few events. Our biggest is the Urban Farm Festival. And that has been a tradition since 2010. I think the first year they even had that. And it's in the fall. It's a harvest festival, essentially, usually in October, um, September. This year, we're going to have that. And we've recoined it the Urban Renaissance Farm Festival last year and threw a Renaissance theme into it just to kind of give it a little something. Uh, plus, with COVID going on, it was like people were wearing masks anyways. So just kind of make a a strange time out of it um but we're going to keep that this year as well so we'll have the urban renaissance farm festival at the end of september here at the library we're lucky because the library well i say we have two strengths the seed library and the community gardens but really being in the physical building of the library and having this property for those people listening want to start a community garden it's it's really handy to have the library infrastructure, the bathrooms, the AC and the heating for volunteers to be able to meet and brainstorm. So if you can get one going in a library, that's probably going to be your best bet. You know, schools for, you know, people leave schools in the summertime and they, they're not there anymore. They start a garden in the spring and then nobody's there in the summer to take care of it a lot of times. I mean, not every, there's some gardens that people are, you know, active in the summer, but so that's what, even on the university level, we're trying to start gardens. Um, and I think we're learning and we're, we're able to do that. Even how this was created first as a competition between colleges, the community they realized is really the, the backbone of it because it's gotta stay stable. Every day, you gotta water your garden. Every day, you gotta be doing something. The, the event, um, that's probably what we're trying to grow here is community. And so these events are important. The, the Urban Farm Festival, we have had a backyard gourmet in the spring. Um, that a few years ago, we've stopped doing that. It'll probably come back at some point, you know, and then we did have a December, um, a Christmas light show in the garden. So just strung out lights everywhere. And then Santa Claus came. And I think we'll continue that because, you know, it gives you a chance to light the garden up and plus the grounds around it as well. But, um, and we had a bonfire and marshmallows and, and even during COVID 2020, uh, there were, that was kind of towards the end, you know, people were, they were comfortable enough to get out. And I mean, we had 100, 150 nice. people there at that. So what are some of the challenges that you face in this type of community project and how have you worked through them? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, challenges with the community garden are, is really organizing the 
the volunteers. It really is because, I mean, I'm probably only at 10% of what we could actually be doing with our volunteers, just the organization of the volunteers to me. Um, and that's kind of my, um, that's what I do. So I know it's difficult, you know, as a, as a film producer, you're producing, you're making things happen, you're getting people together. That's kind of why I love this job too. But um, we're getting to a point, we're getting better. And I just met with a volunteer coordinator last night, a volunteer who wants to be the volunteer coordinator. And we've been trying to find a job for her. And so she consistently comes back every two weeks and is like, what can I do? What can I do? That's one thing I've discovered is I've got to let, if people aren't that committed off the bat, I just let them kind of the, by the wayside. If they come back, if they boomerang back, okay, they're a little more committed. And this is just maybe from, you know, talk for managers of community gardens. You can't invest a lot into somebody if they're not showing a lot of initiative, unless they're just like struggling personally in life or something, you know, cause really that's what the garden's for too. And we've had a lot of that. We've had people that are living, we have a little free pantry where we're putting a lot of our produce now in the front of our library. And then we also donate, but with these community gardens that we have, these four by fours, some people are actually eating their summer, supplementing their food. And then they're getting the rest of their meals in the little free pantry, because then that also has non-perishables. And not only that, but I mean, I know a specific individual that has schizophrenia last summer, she was consistently here watering every day in a in pretty peaceful environment, you know, we're kind of that gave her something, it gave them something to do. And so, I mean, when I talk about like letting people go by the wayside and, you know, it's more, if they're all excited about an idea and they got this idea that they're wanting to tackle. And then two weeks later, they haven't, you know, lifted anything towards that idea. Then it's like, okay, well, next time they come around. So that's that um, volunteer coordinator. If I can get our volunteer coordinator consistently coordinating volunteers, you know, setting them up, um, uh, we will then still have to train. So watering, you know, just all that general daily activity, um, we would have to train them, but we're getting out of that coordinating. And that's the thing about these 40 different plots too, is you've got different skills for each plot, people are very skilled in different ways. So now we've handed off our mark, our social media on our Facebook page, FC uh, Urban Farm Project um, is now ran by a volunteer. She's retired. Her son is a uh, media social guru that does for Amazon. You know, he's big national. Um, so she kind of consults with him too, but she's she's got the vibe. She also fits our niche market. And what we've realized by having all these community plots, by doing all this data, having people fill out Google forms when you can get their data and you would be surprised how quickly you can put start putting numbers together of what makes sense. But our niche market is 30 to 65 year old females. You know, I mean, that's just, it's probably 75% that. So, so she fits that too. Here where I'm running the Facebook page, I'm throwing stuff out there as a 40 year old uh, male that is interested in specific things regarding, she understands it more. So I think that's uh, a key as well as understanding 
who these community gardeners are that you're trying to attract, you know, who that you want them to pollinate your garden. And really that's kind of how it is, is you're trying to get, you know, your beehive uh, set up over here. And so. So what are maybe some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work? I'm really enjoying, they've now given us a library uh, part-time employee to work down here. So now we're a full-time and a part-time. And Erica is a wildlife and fisheries um, graduate out of Nebraska. And so she's super passionate and a very hard worker and definitely into the environment, the organic side. And so now being able to create, keep creating this with somebody else that when I hand it off, they're already trained in how to move forward. And um, not only that, but I'm kind of getting into enjoy, like, I don't know, I, I guess probably working with so many different people that are into gardening. And it's, uh, it's, it's so good. It's like, it's kind of like, you have a lot of best friends that tell you the truth about everything, you know, and that's why they're your best friend community gardeners are going to come into the garden. They're going to tell you the truth about what's going on, about what they want to learn about, what they want to know about, what they want to do, this and that. And so that, I mean, that's just how it is. That's how the culture of community gardens are. There's a lot of social, um, as a community garden manager, there's a lot of social management. Nice. So if your ideas, your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action that you could give to others, what advice would you give to someone who's considering this in their own local area? My advice, if everything's wrapped up into, and that's a good question for me now, because that's essentially what I'm trying to answer in this organization, kind of in my own life too. My wife and I own an urban farm across the street, which we created because this urban farm is here on the educational side. So we're kind of pushing the economic, you know, business side, entrepreneurial side. Um, so really, all these things have wrapped up here. My wife and I got married in this garden because she was a garden corps member over here. So uh, it's just, it's kind of weird, but with all of the knowledge and wisdom and everything that I've learned over the years, I would say if you're going to start one of these, you need, it's, it's a trifecta. It's the community garden. It's a, it's a good physical space. The, the yard itself, plus maybe having a physical somewhere where people can use a restroom. So if you can do it at a library, that's key. And then libraries are just community. That's what they're for. And libraries are changing right now and they have to adapt just the same way community gardens or whatever. So libraries are probably more accepting of community gardens now because people are so into gardening that they want, you know, libraries want people. And so gardens attract people. And then the third is the seed library. And we're establishing the Arkansas Seed Library this year. We have the Faulkner County Seed Library, but we're establishing Arkansas Seed Library, or mm -hmm. Arkansas Seed Bank, rather. And so Arkansas Seed Bank will facilitate in getting other county library seed libraries set up. And then also be the vault or the, the storage for and actively use our volunteers for getting grants and money so that we can disperse that 
whether they're do seed donations to us, we can then disperse those to other county libraries that are trying to get started. And on a national level, and probably international, but definitely national, seed libraries and schools are really good. And maybe even better than community gardens. I'm not gonna say better. I mean, you want your, your garden in your school too, but um, seeds in your school then, especially like we, we presented our first seed library to uh, elementary school just a couple blocks away and just a bin full of our, you know, 30 different varieties of these seed packs. And um, so then the kids now get all these seeds and they can look at them and see all the difference of the seeds, count them, elementary school, you know, you're mapping out your garden. So there's a lot of curriculum that you can use in seeds. There's also a lot of volunteer opportunities. And if you're in a library and you have that physical space to do that, with mobility in the garden is difficult. Our volunteer coordinator that I was telling you about that wants to do it, she's not, uh, her mobility is not such that she can go out and mulch the garden, but she wants to participate. Those are the skills she has in coordinating. So with the seed library, also the same thing is the mobility of it. There's a lot of tasks that you can do sitting down and um, what we're developing in, um, is we're gonna have a folder and it'll have how to start a, a seed library. And then mm -hmm. it'll have a, they make these USBs now that look like credit cards. Have you seen those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of a marketing, we're gonna make that look like our seed pack. And then the USB will be all the documents you need on how to make seed packs, how to start a seed library, re resources. It'll basically be a, a resource toolkit. And Baker Creek Seeds donated $1,000 to us this year. And so specifically, we're going to use that money for that marketing and design of that packet. And all of that is going to help us understand, too, of our systems. And I mean... I could literally sit here and talk to you for eight hours without <laughs> taking a breath about the seed library. There's so much that goes into it. So seed library, community garden plots, and this four by four plot with two to four hours a month on volunteer time, it's been, it's, it's working out great. And then also having a physical space at, at a library or a community center. Yeah. Well, I'm just really impressed with um, with all that um, you yourself are doing, what you've done with the program, and just what the what the community has supported and has really blossomed. And so, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, and thank you. And I'm impressed too with the, what our community has established because really, that's it's all volunteer, it's all community work. I mean, it really helps to have a full time employee, you know. After yeah. the sale or, you know, man the ship or whatever, but um, it really is required on so many community members and you got to find the skills and the talents of those community members and then make it a, a fun, peaceful place, you know, to where they want to go. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.